0: Welcome to episode twenty of Kid Tech, the show that goes behind the scenes with the people shaping the digital kids industry. Hi, this is Dylan Collins, CEO of Super Awesome, um, here in LA today with Sven Gergets, CTO of Mattel, uh, who joins us on this episode of the Kid Tech podcast. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad to be here, um, Sven. So it's reasonably sort of unusual for a toy company to have a CTO what do you do what what does what does a Mattel CTO do today
1: and what would you do I play with
0: toys right <laughs> I mean
1: kind of a dream job um, but no I, I it is kind of unusual and um, and it really is a dream job I, I, you know Mattel reached out to me two years ago now and um, they were looking for somebody who had background doing. IT transformations, but also had background uh, delivering products, and so it was a great opportunity to come in and be part of an amazing leadership team, and just amazing team at Mattel uh, to help drive forward our transformation on both the internal business side, the way that we work, as well as the connected product side, the way mm-hmm. that we digitally enhance some of the experiences that we have for kids.
0: And what's your, I mean, can you talk a little bit more about your background? Because um, you've done a, a, sort of a lot of different things, and you obviously, as you say, didn't come from from the toy yeah. sector specifically, Yeah, around.
1: Yeah, I, I have kind of a strange background. I mean, I started out as an electronic engineer, actually, in my early part of my career, and then moved into more classic uh, IT, you know, functions back almost 30 years ago when, when IT was just... Uh, an acronym and we were kind of building up business systems. And, right. um, through that time I've done two startups, um, and, um, worked for a lot of large companies doing both, you know, technology transformations, e-commerce, uh, as well as building products. Um, you know, I, I, uh, focused on products for the higher ed space, right. uh, and uh, also products in the startup space. So it's been a fun, fun journey. Uh, I gotta say, this is the most fun I've ever had. Uh, honestly, this is just an incredible place with amazing brands and you know an amazing history. I've never been at a place where, if you you know introduce yourself to somebody, say oh, I work at Mattel, they'll spend the next twenty minutes telling you all of their, their <laughs> life story and all right. the experiences they had and the toys that they loved and how much money they spent on their daughter. And you know, it's it is incredible, incredible place.
0: And and, and this doesn't translate so well to the actual podcast. But we're sitting here in your office and I'm looking around the. Room room and there's just some incredible brands and products, Mm -hmm. you know, around here. I mean, I see the sort of the Hot Wheels um, logo and car kind of Mm -hmm. front and Mm -hmm. center. I want to talk about that a a little bit later on. But I mean, I think your, your, your arrival in Mattel sort of seemed to herald, you know, much more of, of, of a uh, sort of an embrace around technology and digital and obviously sort of digital privacy. And I remember you said to me before that like how much Mattel was making, you know, digital privacy kind of part of mm-hmm. his actual brand. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, you know, Mattel had an amazing, has still an amazing history of, of innovation mm-hmm. uh, around play and just an amazing kind of design thinking uh, approach to to creating toys, creating brands, creating IP, really focused on the consumer. And so it actually had a, an amazing history. When I looked first joined and looked at some of the things Fisher Prices was doing 20 years ago uh, or more, um, you know, that were kind of these emulations of, of adult products in, right. you know, for, for toddlers, it was incredible. Um, and they'd done some, some great things uh, in kind of the, the classic connected space, but um, you know, kind of recognized, I think, that. Uh, while our consumers, you know, are still love play, they still love toys, and we understand the value of play in their lives. We understand that it develops kids physically, cognitively, emotionally, mm. um, socially. Uh, we also recognize that their their world and the way they interacted was changing, and so you know we see ninety three. Um, percent of our age demographic on devices every day. And so the, the desire was how do we figure out the right model for kind of what we're calling now mixed play, but right. it's kind of this digitally enhanced play where physical play is still core and at the center. And I think um, the leadership also recognized that uh, the environment was shifting, and you know, with you know things like uh, the the Internet of Things and and connectivity and sensors that um, you know are cheaper and more accessible, and connectivity being being more accessible, they really wanted to to kind of focus on how do we make sure that we're doing this right, that mm-hmm. we're we're thinking about you know modern platform methods of doing it, and as we started down the path, while well, we had a great history of really you know doing doing things right from a security and privacy standpoint they were they were kind of one-offs and so what we wanted to do was build a platform with privacy and security by design starting out with just privacy and security at its core uh, and take our, our design process or our product design processes and not have security and privacy as a gating factor, but mm. have it integrated into the process itself. Uh, security and privacy living alongside product development and engineering and technology right. from the beginning all the way through the end. Um, and, and thinking about you know security uh, from from the front versus security um, securing after the fact and really kind of thinking about these things as robust, uh, IOT-type capabilities. Um, right. And so, you know, they wanted uh, somebody to come in and kind of help help drive that forward. And it's been great fun. We've made huge progress. Obviously, we launched Hot Wheels ID this year, which was mm. kind of a culmination of a lot of capabilities that we built in the platform. But um, if you look at the platform thinking we have around mixed play, we've actually launched, um, you know, Pictionary Air on it. We've launched Ogmodo on it. We've launched um, mm. tech mods on it for Hot Wheels. We've launched... Uh, um, rocket League uh, we've, we've launched a number of products on it starting uh, almost 12 months ago to continue to build up that platform and make it more robust hmm. all with the, the concept of anonymity right you know kind of starting at zero data and um, and really you know kind of kind of building experiences that were truly private and secure
0: and I mean uh, that's sort of fascinating to, to, to understand the architecture behind it. I mean, when you think about, I mean, I, I guess Hot Wheels ID, but but probably the other products as well. I mean, that must be changing the overall development process and design in terms of products that are coming yeah. out. I mean, so does that mean your team and, and the platform and technology is getting involved much earlier?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, that we did when I joined is we had uh, several groups that were uh, you know, almost innovating at the edges of Mattel. Right. So innovating around new products and new um, new models. Um, but they were they were almost kind of like these bolt-on innovations. Some came through acquisitions. Some were kind of rolled together and and kind of told to innovate. And um, one of the things when I joined Mattel. And it was probably the the transformation we were going through too. It was, you know, I realized that if we actually lean those resources into the brands that we had, these power brands, mm. and innovated with them, mm. we would get a lot more leverage from from the work that was being done. Mm. And so we pulled those those organizations together and created um, you know a, a team around this what we call Mattel Connected Product Platform. And we focused them on innovating with the brand. Right. So in lockstep. Mm. With our product management, with our you know, with our our learning, our insights teams, our product development, our creative, all of that, uh, and working in parallel with them. So not no longer trying to go create something mm-hmm. uh, around the edges and see if it would stick, but like really figure out how do we innovate within these amazing brands we have, and and a lot of the the innovation that you're seeing comes out of that. Whether it's you know, Pictionary Air, where we we partnered very heavily with <clears throat> our games team to figure out what do we do to create a mixed play model where right. you know the the Pictionary Air is is an inexpensive toy um, that does some amazing things with technology. <clears throat> um, and that was kind of the principles around mixed play was mm-hmm. you know that that we wanted to keep these as toys and create put enough digital enhancement around them to make them engaging, right. uh, w- you know, to kids that that liked. Uh, digital and uh, the digital aspects of play and mm-hmm. so it was critical it was it was really about becoming in service of the brand versus becoming you know versus kind of building things that we thought were innovative um, around right. the brands right and, the brands.
0: And, and that must be resonating with parents as well I would have thought who were, who were starting to pick up on all of this
1: yeah I think so I, I mean I think it it, it is um, you know the, the the principles around mixed play are um, you know that we want, physical play to enhance digital and digital play to enhance physical play. And so um, with Hot Wheels ID, one of the concepts we had there was could we use digital as an incentive system to get kids to play physically? Right. Uh, which parents obviously love, right? Sure. They, they, you know, they're, they're using, um, they're regulating screen time.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: what, what my my goal was is could we incent, you know, a, a reduction of screen time. Mm-hmm. And while a product like Hot Wheels ID you know obviously uses a device and and a screen to to make it kind of so engaging the cool thing about it is when we designed it one of the things we did was um if if you're playing only digitally with a car that you've scanned in the concept in hot was id is you have a physical car that has a digital twin and so the more you play with it physical the more level it gets in the digital the more you play with it digital the more level it gets and so um so one of the things that we we, we did in, the, in this system is, uh, you know, if you play with your pure your digital car, you run out of gas, and you can refuel the gas by going and playing physically with the track again. Right. Uh, one of the other things we did is, you know, we allow we we built it in a way that you kids could play for eight hours with the track without a device, and then when they connect a device, all of that play levels them up digitally. So right. that's an example of trying to incent it. One of the other things that we've looked at doing with mixed play is, can we make it more engaging? And kind of open the living room up again, right? Mm. So, with Pictionary Air as an example, while you're using a, dev, uh, a pen to draw in the air and a device to um, basically use computer visioning to, to map that drawing out on the device, mm. um, the best way to play with it is to stream it to your Apple TV or to your, you right. know, or your um, your your big screen so that you know the whole family can play, right? right. And so right. it's these different ways of of trying to create create incentive to to open the living room up bring the family together again and uh, get p- kids playing with physical physical toys that they right. feel are as engaging as you know their screen time
0: and i mean i i can't but sort of look at the i suppose the digital the general digital privacy backlash against a lot of the technology companies that's happening at the moment i mean do you think that sort of that 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 reversion to more of a a family way of thinking Is that a proxy for it in some shape or form? I mean, do you think that that um, you know people's sort of increasing, I suppose, mistrust of technology companies um, is contributing to this?
1: I I I don't know that it is. I mean, I think um, you know, there's obviously lots of things happening right now with the big tech companies, and I think what's happening at some level is that that people are getting um, you know that there's been a long a long time of of creating personalization and, mm. and kind of new ways of using data to make people's lives simpler and easier. Um, but then all of a sudden folks woke up and, and realized what that meant, right? right? What it meant. It meant that, that these companies had a lot of data and had a lot of, um, mm. a lot of insights and they got uncomfortable. And, um, and I think, you know, that's, I, I don't think that necessarily drives what, what we're seeing. I mean, from our perspective, we think, that the you know we 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 think privacy is key,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Anonymity is key. Um, data minimization is key. Right? right. We never want to get complacent with with mm-hmm. this, these things. They're they're absolutely critical to families and parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so privacy is just an, a fundamental. Kind of tentpole that we have to have. Right. If you go above that in the mixed play experience that that it's enabled that that the, the, these platforms enable, I think there it's really about family time. It's really about you know there's a nostalgia today of getting back mm-hmm. and and doing some of the things that that we used to do as kids. Right. You know, I, I hear from parents all the time. It's like man, I remember when I was a kid, I was outside all the time, and you know things are a little bit different. It's probably like you know. Our, our parents couldn't understand what you know the music we listened to and right, things like that. Right, right, right. I think it's it's a little bit of that, and, and you know our parents tried to get us back to like listen to the Beatles and and whatever they were you know <laughs> listening to, and I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's like. You know, memories of childhood are so amazing that you want your kids to have what yeah. you had, and and if we can bring the two together, that's powerful. Right. right, that's hugely powerful if we can bring the two together in a way that's fun and compelling and exciting.
0: Right, right. Well, let's we're, we're talking about nostalgia. Let's flip it and talk a little bit about sort of the future. Um, what role do you see, if any, in AI and toy design over the next few years? I mean, a lot of people sort of talked around it, and, and it's, I guess, do you see it as, as compatible with or completely the opposite of sort of the play concept?
1: I mean, I think AI is a big term, um, and it means a lot of different things. Mm. Um, you know, I do think that kids are, you know, they're getting more and more engaged with voice, mm. um, with, you know, voice activation, and I do think that uh, things are moving, you know, more and more away from screen to different kind of interfaces. Right. Um, and I think that as, you know, homes have, um, you know, uh, these, these digital assistants and kids are interacting with them, it becomes more natural. And so, um, you know, we're even we've, we've done things and, and not necessarily square in the kids space, but, you know, we launched um, just recently Uno Braille. Uh, which mm. has mm. Uh, you know an interface for the Google and, and Amazon home Assistants um, to be able to interact and get instructions on how to play and the cards are braille and so it's kind right. of a nice mixed experience it's mm. not a tech tech toy or anything it's just a nice mixed experience um, and so I think there's 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 right ways of of, of creating those engagements and yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: that makes sense it's it, I think in the past there's been a lot of tech for tech's sake that's happened sure yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know I think really it's about how do you create a nice seamless uh Interactive experience. There's also AI um, that's that's more background things, like mm-hmm. you know, um, even at, at some some really light level, uh, you know, what we do with Pictionary Air and um, being able to recognize what you're drawing in the air has some elements of that. And so I think right. it it become it'll become more and more ingrained in what companies do and and, and things like that. I think it's um, important that it matters and makes a, a creates a better experience versus just kind of doing it. And I think that's, you know, kind of this balance that has to happen. And and sometimes when these technologies come out, there's a mad dash towards the technology because it's new and interesting and people want to innovate and they want to create something. Uh, And then there's a pullback of really what is what really matters, what's really interesting, what's really fun. And I think that's kind of what's what's going to happen here over the next uh, bit Uh, of time.
0: And I guess sort of speaking of technologies that, that people run into and get very excited about, I mean, Three D printing, you know, a few years ago, when that started to emerge, and people, some people, were sort of saying, "Well, well, this is going to be the end for the toy sector," and, and clearly, that never happened. I mean, what, what can you sort of contextualize three D printing in terms of how you see it within the the toy and play space?
1: Yeah, I think um, you know, three D printing is still actually fairly. While it's been out for quite some time, mm. um, the capability and the robustness of it is still fairly early stage for consumers. Mm. Um, you know, so we, you know, I, I think that there's interesting uh, experiences that can be integrated as 3D printing becomes more robust and faster and, and right. you know, less of kind of almost a tech STEM capability or, you know, light manufacturing capability in the home. Okay. I think we're away, a little ways out from that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, 3D printing, in-home 3D printing is still something that's more resonates with, you know, technologists and folks that, um, you know, are kind of at the bleeding edge. Mm-hmm. And there's there's lots of interesting things happening. Uh, in the STEM space right now with, you know, education programs and things like that where, you know, the maker, the maker movement is shifting to being able to truly make, right. right. Make uh, you know, 3d print, um, uh, 3d print products that you come up with uh, and imagine. I think that I, I don't think that it, 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 takes away from play i think Mm. at some point maybe it supplements play and being Mm. able to create things with you know around your toys with your toys um that you can build yourself but i think we're a ways out from that because even today still an in-home 3d printer takes quite a while to you know to print a barbie shoe or something like that and that's just you know watching this this thing kind of go back and forth it's like you know watching paint dry it's not fun
0: so until it's fun
1: uh it's until it's fun it's it's still kind of a, a kind of a bleeding edge technology in my
0: mind yeah it sort of feels feels like the early days of yeah. the internet with dial-up modems yeah. and things like yeah. that um, the one of the, 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 the other sort of things that people talk about in the toy space is how tough it generally seems to be for startups coming into the sector mm-hmm. I think particularly around connected toys um, you know there's, there's been sort of a few examples over the last couple of years of companies that have come in raised yep. a lot of capital and found it difficult mm-hmm. why is that?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think classically this connected toy space um, was interesting. It was early kind of stage. There was lots of kind of rush towards it. Mm. Um, I think for a number of reasons. I think number one, using technology and toy, toys, you can make amazing experiences. Right. Um, and I think um, being a big nerd myself, I think, you know, big nerds like myself love toys. Sure, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of a natural melding of like, you know, a dream, like my this is my dream job. Well, lots of folks came out of college and said, oh, my gosh, you know, I love doing AI and I love programming autonomous driving. And I'd much rather do it on a racetrack <laughs> for, you know, in a toy that I can race my buddies, in my dorm room, than I than I you right. know would want to do at a at a, a driving company and and so some amazing things happened and some amazing amazing things were created but I think the problem is um, that they weren't toys mm. fundamentally mm. they were um, they were like consumer electronics goods right. that were sold as toys and that were pitched as toys and you know the parents when they're looking at these things that are fairly expensive they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily see them as toys either they don't see them as things that they're gonna make a bet on five of them and hopefully Mm -hmm. their child Mm -hmm. likes one of them and continues to play with it and so um and i think that there's a a big ecosystem of toys you know in market as well and so i don't think they fit really well Mm -hmm. i think they were tech heavy they were tech for tech's sake in in many cases and you see a lot of these companies coming together or or refocusing on education Mm -hmm. as a as a customer or um or you know, folding all together, mm. um, and and that's part of why when we were looking at the space when I joined, you know, my my mind was square on connected toys. Like, oh, I get this. I actually have some some of them. Right, I you know, right. and as we looked at it more and more, we realized actually we needed to create a new segment, which mm. is what we call mixed play, right? Because the connected toy space was heavy. It was expensive. You know, they were. You needed a manual to figure out how to play with your toy. Right. You know, they were complex and. Uh, What we realized is the DNA of Mattel is we know how to make really fun toys. Right. And so if we can just level that a little bit and create a mixed kind of a digital experience with the play and Mm -hmm. with the toys, we, we could do something that still was a toy. It was still something a child could pick up and they knew how to play with they Mm -hmm. know how to play with a 164th scale car Mm -hmm. right they play with it however they want to play with that's the other thing is play is so open Mm -hmm. that when you get too technical and too heavy you narrow the play Mm
2: -hmm. and if
1: you don't have enough openness it's not necessarily as fun so I think um, I think that there there were some lessons to learn and I think things will continue to evolve and Frankly, Mm -hmm. as technology becomes more ubiquitous in the home, it makes it easier to create lower cost experiences Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I um, I think fundamentally, you know, one of the beautiful things about Mattel is we have this DNA of design thinking and insights led kind of you know thinking and testing mm-hmm, and learning and um, and and creating things and bringing kids into play with it and and learning what happens and using that dna mm. when you're creating something that's both digital and physical yeah. that's uh, that's magic making because right. then you're creating something that's fun that's easy that's understandable right. and you have the right level of tech around it
0: and have you noticed um, i suppose, i mean it's probably kind of more of a focus group question i mean with the with the prevalence of you know, obviously, touchscreens in every single home that that has impacted on play patterns or how kids are interacting with toys. Has that been a factor at all?
1: Well, I mean, I think um, I think yes. I mean, I think you're seeing you know seeing more and more toys out there using the the, the touch screen mm. or the the tablet or the the mobile device um, in home as the as the brains of the the, the operations, right? right? Because right. it's it's a sunk cost and. And you're not having to put that kind of tech right. into a, a, yeah. a new product, so it it is a nice mm-hmm. kind of a, a gateway to the to play. Um, but you know, we're also you know seeing that, and I think that we'll continue to see that the interactions. Um, you know, I, somebody was explaining to, or or gave me an example the other day of uh, you know their 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 toddler was trying to op- trying to zoom in on a coffee table book on their you know <laughs> on their coffee yeah. table, and so there is kind of an interaction. Uh, With with play that's different that you know that that we continue to look at and and as we create engaging experiences for kids, we have to understand that they're engaging a little bit differently with things today too. So right, right, right. Um,
0: Well, I mean, and I suppose two two final questions. One on that particular topic. I mean, when you you know it's 2019, we're we're sort of towards the the fourth quarter. Um, you know, what does play? What does mixed play look like in five years' time? How do you think that landscape has evolved?
1: I mean, I think it, I think it continues to evolve um, being, uh, you know, being kind of play, physical play first or physical play at the core mm. with digital enhancement. I think right. what probably evolves is the method of engagement. I think today the best way, you know, to, to create some of these experiences is through mobile because kids use devices, you know, 93% of kids use devices every day. Um, I think that the interaction kind of methods are going to change. And so I think in five years, I think what you'll see is probably more play experiences that have kind of these same digital type incentive systems, mm. um, but they're not, they're not driven off of device, right? They're part of the play experience. They're part of um, the, you know, the toy itself, uh, right. and there's still inexpensive ways uh, to do that and they're kind of, you know, more engaging but not these really expensive high-tech toys right. that have supercomputers in them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, that, I think that probably screens will reduce mm. and other methods of, of interacting with the, the toys will increase. Mm. Um, you know, because right now is because of the, the um, you know, the amount of, of devices in homes and the amount of time kids spend on them, it's just a natural kind of hub. Right. For the play. Right, right, right. I think I think in the future there will be other hubs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, whether they're voice or whether they're gesture or whether they're um, other things like that, um, even sensors, you know, embedded sensors that um are able to do things that are that are more robust. Right. Um, but I think that the digital kind of the, the way that the kids like to engage digitally will, you know, continue to be part of that mixed play experience.
0: Right. And <clears throat> final question, um son. I see just a number of toys and brands around this room, your favorite Mattel brand or product and why? So, um, so coming into
1: Mattel, my favorite brand was Hot Wheels. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I've always been a car guy, uh, and I love Hot Wheels, but you know, I think, um, the more time I've spent and understanding the different, the different aspects of the brands that we have, I have to say, um, I have to say probably Barbie, I think, is one of the most Mm. amazing brands that we have. It's such a powerful brand um, that can be so relevant in today's time. Mm. Um, But it also incents kids, in particular, incents girls, um, you know, to to, to play and to, to be inspired and to imagine what they can be when they're, they're, they're grown up. Mm-hmm. We obviously fo- have focused a lot on, you know, role model mm-hmm. dolls mm-hmm. for kids. But even we launched a, a robotics engineer Barbie last year mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it is a Barbie. It's not, there's no tech in it. Um, but it's a robotics engineer Barbie with a little plastic robot and a little plastic computer. And uh, with that came access to, a platform to learn how to program. And we were able to incent well over now a million kids through these programs to learn how to develop software. Um, because of that inspiration, it wasn't you know, here's a little tech toy for a little child that likes technology, right right? It's right. a here's an inspiration to think, wow, maybe I could program. Maybe I could be a robotics engineer someday. I'm gonna go in and try this. And um, I haven't looked at the stats lately, but earlier in the year we were over a million a million kids through the program and it continues to, to conti- continues to grow. but it's like amazing to see something that's you know, something that's non-technical. It's just a brand. It's inspiration mm-hmm. uh, to be able to to drive kids into STEM and into trying new things uh, that they maybe never thought they could do before. So, yeah. um, and I could go on and on. We've got so many amazing brands, but, um, but that was a really, really amazing uh, surprise as I'd, I learned more about the Barbie brand and what they've been doing.
0: That's, That's quite an amazing start. Um, well, Sven Gerjets, Chief Technology Officer of Mattel. Thank you so much for joining us on Kid Tech Today. Thank you so much for having me.